hear your heartbeat. Mean you're okay. Is that like, is that the um, is that the measure of health? Just hearing someone's I think so. a heart. If I could hear it over the headset, I feel like he would definitely need to go to the doctor. Okay. Josh, did you see Sony's news today? Uh, yes, I did, and my wiener is hard for it. Actually, you can so hear my it... heart over the thing right now because my heart on is so hard. On thumping. Yes, exactly. Gyrating. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have quite a show for you today. Uh, we have a great topic that uh, we've been sitting on for um, quite some time. Uh, I think I've had this in the docket for us to discuss since before Elden Ring came out. Um, so that was what, February of last year? So it's it's yeah. been it's been sitting in my my subconscious for a while, um, but yeah. So we're going to be talking about a, a, gr- a great little topic, and then uh, we've also got some some media to discuss and and talk about some Do video we? games that we've been playing. So uh, um, yeah, I am of course your host. Mm, your host, not host. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I was Canadian for like yeah, fucking hour. Yeah. Uh, the one and only Bebopping Tin Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined, as almost always, by my two co-hosts, Dylan, Ace of Spades, Martin, and Austin. Mm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Space of AIDS, Stevens. Well, I definitely don't have that. Not that I know to of. To be fair, I also didn't spell it that way. I said A-D-E-S, which means nothing. Other than it's just an inversion of what I put for mine. Okay. Cool. I know you're clean. I asked before, you know. I don't. Oh. What? <laughs> Dylan, you I'm need to go kidding, get I tested. Guess. I guess so. <laughs> God damn. I've been tested for most stuff. <laughs> no, I, I went to real shit when, after I was uh, 18, uh, before me and Madison got together, I went to go get tested and... I did the the pee sample and the urine sample, and then they were like, okay, we got to do the part where we stick a thing up there and scrape some stuff. And I was like, yeah, y'all ain't doing yeah. that. I don't care if I have it or not. Y'all had to stick that. their pinky finger up there. No, it's like a, it's like a steel wool brush. Yeah, huh. yeah. Huh. That they have huh. to stick up there to get, like, samples. Huh. Huh. Yeah, it sounds terrible. I need to move on. <laughs> sounds amazing. Sounds yep. like uh what is that word? Wow. I can't uh, like it, I'm sure. Sounding? Is that the one that I'm thinking of? No, docking. That's what I'm thinking. Ah! Of. Yeah, docking. <laughs> oh, I'm okay yeah. with that. I, I had I don't Are you? I'm just no. still on the steel wool, dude. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> but docking's where you just put like the hood over, right? Uh, no, docking's where you put to, a like, penis inside thing. of another penis. Is that possible? I thought it Can was the foreskin yeah. thing. 
Why is this I happening? Also, I'm pretty sure it's the force. Nah, it's it's just a, it's the penis hit. inside of another oh. penis. I'm telling you. All right, here we go. I'm going to Google yep, it I'm, now. I'm going to UD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, so what is sounding? I I don't. I've never heard. You've never of that, heard of so sounding? I okay, I know it's a no. really gross sex act. I just don't know what it is. All right. Well, I'm looking you it up. You want me to sounding. read what docking is? Because it's not. It's, <laughs> it's <just> a <laughs> sounding is a word, and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. At all. all right. So sounding is the act of inserting ah! a metal rod into no. your urethra. Yeah. No. No! That's that shit. <laughs> That's that shit. <laughs> this is meant to be used medically, but some people have discovered that they experience sexual pleasure. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> nope. Do you guys watch The Boys? No. Uh, I have not started watching it yet, but I've heard really excellent okay. things, so. There's a scene from The Boys that it reminded me of. Oh my god. <sighs> Whoever's watched it will immediately know what I'm talking about. Mm. I'll send it in the group chat. I don't, don't feel worry. okay. Don't yeah, please. You I shouldn't. would rather that you didn't. Did you just say- no. no, it's too late. Wait, hang on. So what is docking? Docking is the foreskin thing. I made sure. Uh, it's- okay. So you're right, Josh. That you were thinking of sounding. Okay. Sounding sounds disgusting. Docking, I'm okay with. That's just- I don't, They both sound kind of gross. Uh, one is definitely better than the other. Uh, that's for sure. I don't argue <laughs> that. You got, you got something against sticking things in your penis? Huh? I just but have you know. discovered in the past ten minutes that I do. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about like, it I'm going to be before. honest. I didn't really think about it all that long. Well, <laughs> sounds like a personal problem to me. It's very personal for me. <laughs> uh, this is off to a great start. Oh, boy. Okay. The Howard Austin. Stern Video Game Podcast. <laughs> Austin's been reading comics. Let's talk about that instead of penises. <laughs> I have been reading comics. Uh, I started reading the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers run from Boom Studios. And this is a whole lot cooler than I expected it to be. Um, I will always have a, have a super soft spot for Power Rangers. I grew up watching it. It was one of the very few things as a child that I actually bonded with my siblings over. As sad as that fucking sounds. Uh, my, my brother grew up on Power Rangers and then, you know, when I started to get into it, he was just kind of like, oh, that's cool that this is still going. And he watched a lot of seasons with me too. Um, I think I started, I got into Power Rangers when they were doing, uh, I think the current running season was Wild Force. Oh, damn. That's old. Maybe. Yeah. I, but I, but I also grew up watching reruns of Mighty Morphin and Turbo on fucking ABC. Mm, yeah. Um, so I've always had a big soft spot for the original. And so going back and reading these comics is really cool. They're very clearly meant for the adults who have the nostalgia for this series. Um, it's a, it's, it's not too dark. Like there's no gore or anything, but there's some curse words thrown in there. There you fucking, there's not a single episode of power Rangers ever where they would ever say the word kill or death. Um, but this comic does not shy away from those kind of topics and it, it's really neat. Um, I'm, I'm not super far. I'm only about 20 issues in, I think there's like 105, uh, before it gets rebooted into the go, go power Rangers, uh, run. So I'm excited to get to that. Uh, there's also a lot of crossovers involved under boom. Like they just recently did a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles crossover 
that um, showed the turtles getting a hold of morphers and turning into their own versions of Power Rangers, and that's fucking neat. Uh, I think there's a Godzilla crossover, but it, it's been really cool. I'm I'm just now getting to the part where uh, basically they discover an alternate universe in which uh, Tommy, the original Green Ranger, uh, never turned good and always stayed by Rita. Uh, and he eventually, they, together, they conquered Earth, and he went under the new name of King Draken, which is kind of like a fusion of the original Green Ranger and the original original White Ranger. Um, and that is one of the coolest fucking Power Ranger designs I have ever seen in my entire life. That shit looks so fucking rad, and I'm really excited to learn more about this character. Um, Tommy has always been a big favorite for me, just like I'm sure any other person that grew up watching the original run. Um, I'm really hoping that Adam and the second generation of the Mighty Morphin Rangers get introduced. Adam was always one of my favorites from back in the day, who is played by none other than Johnny Young Bosch. Uh, so I'm very excited to see if his character gets brought into these, this universe at any point. Um, but it's really rad. And if you have any nostalgia for the original uh, series, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're into comics. Hell yeah. I... I've wanted to get into those and 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 like read them and stuff, but I just do not have the time. I feel that. I found a website that just uploads all of it. I'm not fucking trying to go out of my way to buy these. Unless I can find the Godzilla crossover. If I, I definitely want to buy that physically if I can find it somewhere. And the Ninja Turtles one. I'm very excited to get to that. But I kind of want to try to read these and as much of a chronological order as as what exists yeah hmm. i'm not sure if the i'm not sure if it's like a separate timeline from this run and the gogo power rangers run and then the other crossovers i'm not sure if they're separated by anything or if they are one chronological series mm. okay it's really cool Definitely recommend checking it out if you like comics and you have that, like I said, and you have that original nostalgia for Mighty Morphin. So I, I have a, a question regard. Like I've seen, I've never read them, but I've seen the the artwork that's on the covers. Um, mm -hmm. Would you say that that is emblematic of the artwork as a general rule? Um, I, I know that most of the times, with regards to um, like. Uh, What's the word that I'm looking for? Comic books. They very mm -hmm. often have like different artists or uh, like artists break from like a, a, a series that they're working on to do covers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Is that the case with this also? Or is it is it kind of indicative of the art style that's like actually in the comics? Um, I it, it depends because they have there's so I'm pretty sure almost every issue has some kind of variant cover, or at least the first few do. Um, but I would say for the most part, the standard issues are, are very, or the standard issue covers are, are very indicative of, of the rest of the art style. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like the I like the art style of the um, of the uh, of the comics. I just haven't, or, or the covers, I should say. I just mm. I. Like I said, I've never had a chance to like actually read them myself. They're really good, man. If you, if I know uh, Tawny sung pretty high praise of them in the Discord, and that's what caused me to start reading them. If you ever get a chance, I would definitely recommend trying. Hell yeah. 
Very good. Cool. Yeah, I'll give it a shout or a shot, not a shout. Cool. Um, I really haven't done much this week uh, for a number of reasons, but the most notable is because I've been very enthralled with a certain TV show um, that I don't want to really spoil. Um, so I'll I'll say this, and then uh, we can move on to if Dylan has anything, which. I sincerely doubt is the case. Uh, no, no shade to you, Dylan. Just you know. No, there's definitely shade. No, no. There is a saying? reoccurring theme. He's yeah. right. I mean, I've played a shit ton of games, but I don't watch anything outside of the office. So yeah. So. <laughs> God. Uh, so yeah. Um, I, I'll I'll say this: if if you watch Succession, and. Uh, have not watched this newest episode then um you need to uh i don't know you need to do so because i think madison was wanting to start that. oh it's so good man it's so good i have a feeling we'll be watching it pretty soon yeah so uh but yeah so uh we haven't done or dylan has done anything else i haven't done anything else what how are you feeling about uh how you feeling about the uh, what's it called, my hero finale? Yeah, uh, season six is over, and the same day that season six ended, we got the announcement that season seven is in development. Um, I was very, I was very happy with this season, much much more so than I feel like I was the last two. Um, season four and season five had some really incredible moments that definitely impacted the series, but nowhere near as close as some of the events that took place in season six. Um, also the animation in season six as a whole was just top fucking notch compared to what we gotten from the series so far. Uh, season four and season five both suffered from the animation team kind of splitting halfway through development. Uh, half of the team was working on the series, while the other half was working on uh, the two feature-length movies, which were, uh, I don't remember. Uh, I think the first one was called Two Heroes, and the second one was Heroes Rising. Um, but not only did that take, you know, a good part of the staff away from the series to work on, but it also cut into the budget. They made the budget a lot smaller for seasons four and five, so they could put more money towards those uh, big box office movies. Which is fine. The movies were really fucking good and I think are some of the bigger highlights of the series. But um, there were certain parts of season four and season five that I felt like would have been uh, could have been handled a little bit better than what they were. Um, But with season six over, uh, I think that we are entering. I think season seven, I can safely say, will be the final season of the anime. Um, I know I've talked about the manga before. The manga is fucking still in the final fight of the series. They're really, he's really dragging this shit out. Um, and I definitely think it can probably be wrapped up with one more season. Um, basically with this season, we saw the, uh, the biggest conflict that the series had so far with basically every major hero against every major villain and the heroes taking a major fucking L. Um, with a lot of top heroes either being killed or critically injured and the few top heroes that remained are too scared to do anything and decide to hang up their capes. Uh, we're now at the point in the series where 
the main villain Shigaraki has become such a dominant world threat that world governments are now deciding whether they should try to fight him or if they should just bow down and let him do his thing or uh, i'm pretty sure at one point in the manga it even talks about nuking japan as a way to just try to take him out and see what happens but then obviously you have the issue of civilian casualties being caught up in that and whether that's ethically okay or not um the main character deku went through a very major transformation uh, because of the events that took place in that major battle he was forced to kind of reveal himself um, the whole thing about Deku is his quirk was n not his own. It was passed down to him by the number one hero, All Might, uh, who had a very special quirk that allowed it to be passed down to other people. And we learned that as it's passed down, it actually stockpiles. So all the previous eight users had put in their own quirks and it became this big kind of like melting pot of like eight different powers that uh, Deku now has to master and kind of take control of. And that's a huge, and from what we've seen of the series so far, we've seen what quirks can do to the own body. A lot of major characters, especially the ones that have really overpowered quirks, they also have some really considerate drawbacks. Um, one character, Shoto Todoroki, being specific, he his his quirk is the left side of his body can control and conjure ice, but the right side of his body can control and conjure fire. Well, if he uses his fire too much, his skin starts to burn and his body gets overheated. If he uses his ice start too much, his skin starts to literally freeze and become frostbit. Um, so having eight of these really insane overpowered abilities in one body really begins to kind of take their toll on Deku as he's kind of learning to control them. He goes through this whole vigilante arc because now that the whole world has learned about his power one for all and learn and learn the secret behind it and what it is. He feels like all these villains are going to start gunning for him, which they are. They, the, the main villain ends up hiring assassins to try to take him out. And he's like, I, I have to leave. Like I have to leave my school. I have to leave my friends. I, I can't let them get caught up in all of this. And so he kind of takes on this vigilante role and we see his, all of his classmates try to help him and, and get him to take a breath and, understand that they're strong enough to fight alongside of him and he doesn't have to basically they 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 go through this big uh conflict of trying to get him to understand that even though he has this special power he doesn't have to do everything by himself and that these people his friends that he thinks he has to rescue he he doesn't have to that they can fight alongside of him and he kind of has this really really big emotional moment with all of his classmates where they're all trying to fight him in a city to get him to calm down and get him to just at least talk to them. And they're all explaining their feelings to him and how how he's helped them in their lives since they've been classmates. And it's it's a very, very emotional fucking episode and interaction with uh, one main character specifically being Bakugo, who has kind of always been Deku's rival, but also kind of bullied the shit out of Deku. I mean, the very first episode when we're introduced to the two of them, he bullies him so bad that he tells him to kill himself. Jesus. God. He literally tells him, he's like, oh, well, maybe you can jump off a roof. Maybe in your next life you'll be born with a fucking quirk. And, and he kind of goes through, like, as they're going through school together, he kind of, real Bakugo kind of realizes, like, yeah, I'm strong, but I'm, I'm not as strong as I think I am. I'm I'm not this person that can do everything. I'm I'm not this this all-star fucking student compared to Deku and it started to drive a rift between them even more because Bakugo was like I don't understand why I'm losing to you. 
I had everything at first and you had nothing. I don't understand why you're beating me so easily. But then by the end of this whole big interaction of trying to bring Deku back, Bakugo kind of realizes his shortcomings and realizes that Deku does need his help just as much as he's needed Deku's help to not only grow as a person, but grow as a hero. And it it was a very emotional interaction in the anime. I was very excited to see it. I remember bawling my fucking eyes out reading it in the manga. And the episode had me just as fucking torn down. Um, immediately after, when they finally convince him to come with him, they bring him to the school where the school is now taking... Uh, basically become a shelter for evacuees to get away from all the damage. Because japan is pretty much under martial law at this point like the cities are overrun with villains and escaped prison convicts uh regular civilians are having to take shelter in designated spaces and people are scared and then they see the class try to bring this kid in and they know that he's shigaraki's main objective they know that that's who the villains are after and they're like why would you keep him here like we don't want him here we don't want our lives to be put in danger just because this kid needs to get a shower and a good night's sleep um, and then one of his classmates, another major character, uh, Uraka kind of jumps in front of this crowd and gives this big, long speech. And it, it's, it's very emotional and very wonderful. And the anime did such a good job at, at handling it and animating it. And it, it was really, really fucking wonderful. And by the end of it, within the first couple of episodes of the series, uh, Deku was kind of the narrator and, almost every episode he taught at the very beginning he's like you know this is the story of how i became the world's greatest hero but at the end of it seeing all of his classmates come to him he begins to narrate the final episode and he's like you know this maybe this isn't the story of how i became the world's greatest hero but the story of how we all became the world's greatest heroes and it was very sweet and i i loved it a whole whole lot and I'm very excited to see them get to season seven because what's coming next is just as fucking bananas as what we just got. Hell yeah. Um, so I know that you, you, I mean, you just said it, but, uh, I know that you have also, um, uh, or h- how do, how do I phrase this? Uh, I know that you just said it, but also like we've talked before about uh, the the manga being in like its final act or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that's actually the case? Because I mean, like, yes. Okay. With everything going on now, yeah, most definitely. Um, a lot of the big major plot threads are being wrapped up um, at this point. The main villain is is, or I guess one of the two main villains is is kind of on his last leg he kind of admits he's used all the tricks uh in his arsenal against the heroes and he's kind of backed into a corner and now we're finally getting to uh the manga's finally starting to get to its final confrontation between deku and shigaraki so yeah i i definitely think that this is this is definitely the end okay cool cool yeah i was just wondering if it was like i was reading um I was reading something the other day that said something along the lines of uh, Hunter Hunter uh, was getting... Mm. Oh, I think... Actually, I think you sent this to me. Uh, but Hunter Hunter is getting uh, uh, another season of the anime from MAPPA. Yeah. So, uh, like, not only is that super fucking cool... I actually watch Hunter Hunter now. Right? 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, not only is it super, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, un- unexpected question mark. Uh, mm-hmm. Considering that the story's not finished. Uh, but it said that it was going to go off in its own different direction, which has mm-hmm. me both scared and intrigued because I want uh, to see what the rest of Togashi's story is. Whereas, like, yeah. you know, the original um, Full Metal Alchemist had its own ending that was weirdly similar to the the ending of the manga and the the ending of brotherhood uh it wasn't exactly the same but you know it had a lot of similar elements um mm. and yeah i'm just i'm just wondering if uh uh i don't know um if if the the manga isn't finished before um whoever the writer of, of uh, My Hero Academia is. Um, mm-hmm. If it's not finished, if they will if they would go in, like, a different direction. But I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's definitely... Um, I know that there, there's been issues uh, pretty much every other chapter. He ends up having to take a two- or three-week break. Um, from what I have read, his, the author of My Hero's Health is not very good. Yeah, um, that seems to be the case for, like, every mangaka. Yeah, and honestly, you know, there's the whole argument of our mangakas and, you know, animation studios really that overworked to the point that they're having health complications so bad that they're having to take breaks from their full-time job, like, once every couple of weeks just to recuperate. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, it, su- it definitely sucks that that's the case, Uh I kind of, it's kind of wild that Japan is is not a little bit more uh, proactive about that issue. Yeah, you would think but it being like one of the number really one care all that entertainment much. fucking that they have. Yeah, with it being like you know, j- kind of Japan's whole big thing, you would think that they would try to put some kind of work, uh, some kind of maybe uh, easier work regulations in, but it might also be such big revenue for them that they just really don't fucking care. Yeah. You know? Um, but hopefully his health isn't too bad that he can he can wrap this up very soon because, like I said, it, it's got to be close. I, I real, Realistically, I cannot imagine my hero having more than, I would say, maybe 14 or 15 chapters left total. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine it. So that's what, maybe two or three more volumes worth of content? Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine imagine it going much further than that. Hell, yeah. Cool. I hope he I hope he wraps it up soon. I know he's talking about how his next project, he wants to dip his toes into writing horror. Oh, so gosh. So de- I'd definitely be excited to see that. Yeah, I mean, that could be cool. I mean, he has... I, I Based on what my limited knowledge of, of my hero is and what I've seen um, from like the anime and, and whatnot uh, he ha- definitely could have the pedigree to do that oh yeah his his storytelling skills are, are really good um, my hero is kind of starting to show cracks now uh, I think it's having 
uh, I watched a video about this, and there was a specific term used for it, and I can't remember what it was. I think they called it, like, ending clairvoyance, where once you kind of start to get closer to the ending and you kind of start to see the pieces fall together, you kind of also start to notice the cracks in the story that were along the way. And My Hero definitely is starting to kind of suffer with that. You can kind of see that... With the ending being the way it is, there there are definitely some plot choices that were made along the way that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I'm ho- hopefully I I don't think he's gonna rush the ending because I from what I've read the ending has pretty much been done for like a few years now. Um, I think with my hero he did the route that a lot of other mangakas do, where they actually write the ending first and they write backwards off of that. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, my hero was was one of those situations. Okay. Hell yeah. Cool. Well, um, that's uh, that's the end of anime talk. Let's talk about video games. We'll get to our yeah. topic Something. of the show. Um. So currently, I am playing. Final Fantasy 15, which uh, is a Final Fantasy with an open world bent, sort of. Um, I've also, uh, you know, dabbled in the past with open world games, like uh, uh, you know, a little little game called Elden Ring, uh, and Skyrim, obviously, and Fallout, and all the other ones that have come before it. But, um, but yeah, so. As I said in the intro, this is a topic that came to me uh, a while back, and it was kind of in regards to Elden Ring, but also kind of uh, my thoughts on um, other games that were, uh, you know, in the zeitgeist and whatnot with, um, you know, Final Fantasy, or not Final Fantasy, sorry, uh, The Legend of Zelda. We had Breath of the Wild, stuff like that. And... So I thought that we might take a look at what good open world design looks like uh, because there are so many people who try to imitate it and it just does not end up working out uh, in their favor. So, um, yeah, I wanted to start or I wanted to to talk about uh, open world design. So... Um, I think you two are probably more well-versed in open world design, or at least, like, you guys like open world games probably more than I do. Um, so, do either one of you want to take a, um, take a crack at what you, what, what, what makes a good, you know, open world to you guys? Dylan, would you like to go first? I mean, I feel like it's just more than. I feel like it's more than that. I feel like it's more of a discussion because it's like. It's it's subjective, really. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, because what makes a good open world game to me is definitely what not, what makes a good open world game to Josh and Tani. Um, very, Ooh, very different. You think so? Yeah, you guys hate the Valhalla-style gameplay of thousands of question marks to explore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying I love that. In fact, I don't, but I enjoy it. You know what I mean? Um, 
Yeah, let me. Uh, so let me put a, a pin in that real quick, just because I I do want to say. So I I played Elden Ring and loved it, right? And I've played uh, Breath of the Wild and loved it. And it's not necessarily the the having a million map markers and and things of that nature because while that is true and can get overwhelming that's it's literally the reason that i have never completed the witcher 3 um while that stuff can get overwhelming it's not necessarily having a bunch of stuff to do it's more of the ubisoft kind of style of thing where it's like okay you have an open world here are all the check marks that you need to to go along to progress the story like i the reason that I loved Elden Ring and the reason that I loved Breath of the Wild with regards to their open worlds was specifically because it gave me a chance to explore the world and find those those quest markers mm-hmm. or or side content, whatever you want to call it, like on my own. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. And that's probably why I gravitate towards the Breath of the Wilds or the Elden Rings. It's the games that don't necessarily hold your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things, and I'll use a game that has tons of like quest markers and map details, it's Skyrim. But something that happens in Skyrim that I love is that there are stories that are being told that you'll never know about unless you go out into the world and discover mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I think I've told this story before, but I have played Skyrim since 11, 11, 11. I play it probably once a year if I can. Um, I would say at minimum once a year I'll go back to revisit Skyrim in some shape or form. And I was doing this for a while, and I'd made it probably eight years into this cycle of replaying the game, and I was still discovering stuff that I really hadn't seen before. Um, there was an instance where I was exploring on the, on the outskirts of Riften. I was out in the rift somewhere. Um, and I was just kind of, I, I didn't have a quest objective. I said, today I'm just going to fuck around. I'm just going to go out and explore. I'm going to, you know, gather materials for alchemy, do some questing, look for loot, yada, yada. And in doing this, I was literally just traveling along the base of this mountain or cliff. I don't recall, but it was in that kind of nice fall landscape that Riften has going for it. And all of a sudden I see this burned down cabin. I was like, oh shit. I've definitely never seen this before. And I walk up to it, and I go up the steps, and there's a charred body sitting there. And it's reaching for something, and it's fucking sad almost to see. It's like, shit, dude. What did I walk into? And then you walk Mm -hmm. over to the scroll, and you pick it up. (laughs) And it's like a scroll of fireball or something. Like the dude is fucking around with magic, and he burned his house down. It's one of the funniest things that I've seen and experienced in that game. And you would never, ever find that unless you went off the beaten path and did your own thing. And that, at its core, is what makes a great open world game to me. That it's exactly what Josh said. It's 
not necessarily holding your hand through it, but letting you find your own path. Letting you mm -hmm. literally explore the world that's at your fingertips with no barriers. It's hiding the fine details in your game. You know, it doesn't have to be what's right there apparent in front of you. It's the stuff that's a little harder to look for. And I feel mm -hmm. like if you can cultivate that kind of gameplay and mix that with the things that I like from games on a traditional level, like the thing that we talk about more than anything on this podcast is art style, art direction. Mm -hmm. Elden Ring does both of these impeccably. Uh, Breath of the Wild does an impeccable job at this too. These are two staples, so we'll of course keep going back to these. You know, I can't say that Skyrim has this astounding art direction because it doesn't. It has a very... I mean, it is what it is. It looks like a Bethesda open-world game. And sure, it has pretty elements to it, but it's not something that's visually captivating the way that those two games are. Um, I'll even give it to The Witcher for having fantastic art direction because even though you're, you know, traversing this open world it's kind of a smaller open world on the grand scheme of things but it's still big but each new area you venture to is meticulously crafted it's beautiful um and you see a lot of passion thrown into the art style so when you couple that thing that josh was talking about that reason to explore the not holding your hand and you put it with this wonderful art style polished game mechanics like, I don't want to be exploring this giant, vast open world with game mechanics that make me feel like I'm a fucking sloth. I want to be able to traverse it. And guess what Elden Ring does? It gave you Torrent. The first time in any Souls game, we get a horse. Horse became a staple um, of that game. Like, it was so cool to travel. And I, he, he could belong in the sidekick episode, truly, because Torrent was our little buddy. Kind of like how you said uh, the one from... The horse, what was the horse's name? Uh, Agro. Agro, like how Agro traveled with you in Shadow of the Colossus, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, like how he travels with you in that game. Like Torrent became that part of Elden Ring for us. So then you do everything that I've listed up until this point, and now you give us traversability. And you make it feel like it's easy to go wherever I want to, to break away from a fight if I need to. You do all of these things right. You keep your game polished, keeping it looking, uh, you know, magnificent, and you give me a reason to explore, and now you've made an open-world game that I want to invest into. And I don't care if it has a thousand quest marks or none at all. Like, that's what I want to play. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I don't get necessarily sure. overwhelmed by the shit like I see in Valhalla. or And I, I specifically go to that one because that's the only Assassin's Creed I've never beaten. Um I've made it. Really? Yeah, I've played it 40 hours into the story, dude, and I don't even know if I'm halfway. Like, And it's because I have quest, quest mark after quest mark mm. and uh, just things that I can do. It's a massive game. And it's... It 200 can be plus over hours for just the yes. main story, right? I don't even know if that's true. If that's Jesus. true, that's fucking terrifying. But it feels it's like, like I'm over-encumbered like, at all times. Like, I'm traveling this colossal map and yeah i can fast travel but i can't do that unless i go find waypoints um mm -hmm. i love valhalla love it to death like i love the gameplay and the 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 historical point that it's in i guess i should say 
and yeah. the story was it was okay like you know i'm really into viking shit so that was something for me but it wasn't to the point that i could finish it like i got distracted by you know 30 40 hours in i, I was like fuck now i'm playing x game you know i don't know what it was but it was hard to slog through that one um and i'm not gonna say that it was a well-crafted game because if it was i think i could have stayed with it i think that i could have um like persona i'm 30 high 30 hours into and i'm not tired of it yet and i still feel like i have this drive to go forward so what's the difference mm -hmm. um and i know that it's not an open world game that's not my point my point is is you can create a captive captivating game that goes 80 plus hours and i can want to stick with it justin just put, put 100 into octopath traveler 2 mm -hmm. um so there's a way to do this, I feel like. But that that's that's my perspective. I, I'm, I'm not the only one here. So, Austin, what about you, man? Well, it's kind of hard, man. Like, I'm you, you pretty much fucking nailed it with everything you said. Um, but, like, for me, I, I, I kind of think Breath of the Wild ruined open world games for me. Um, and what I mean by that is kind of going back to what you were saying about Valhalla... Um, lots of open world games love to just throw a million fucking things at you all at once and you have all these different quest markers that are leading you fucking 13 different directions and you're like, oh, like it, it, it is, it's overwhelming and it's overstimulating. Um, but to me, the best open world games are the ones that, that give you absolute freedom in the same way Breath of the Wild does. The way uh, I think Elden Ring has has ruined open world games as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, like truly, I think that they have ruined future open world games for a lot of people because they nailed it. They did it so fucking well by not by creating these artistically beautiful worlds that that captivate you from the moment you step foot in them, but. It, it's it's all at your pace and your schedule and that's what i like it, it's the freedom of it if if i don't if i'm going one way and i feel like you know i'm getting my fucking shit rocked like these guys are a little overpowered i have the freedom to take a step back and go a different direction and and grind and perfect the game mechanics and train myself up and that like that's all i want from an open world game is the freedom to be able to genuinely boot up a game and just do whatever the fuck I feel like doing and going wherever the fuck I feel like the going. freedom to create or sorry the freedom to create your own experience that's you yeah, and you. you're 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 creating your own journey within this world and we and within this story and to me that is so much better than a specific narrative that that is is leading you and you're chasing it down this very linear path i mean uh uh fucking it's not quite the same but i i mean look at what the open world mechanic did for for pokemon scarlet and violet completely changing the pokemon formula that we'd come to know the last 20 something years and really it's not a full sense of freedom because there's no level scaling and that's fucking stupid and i don't understand why an open world pokemon game released in 2022 that did not have fucking level scaling but like that's that to me that's the only thing that game needed to be a genuinely really well made open world was was the level scaling um but it 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 was a great step in the right direction for pokemon games but when it comes to that that true genuine freedom that 
the best that open world games have to offer give you it's to me it's it's an unparalleled experience um it's they're some of my favorite games and they will always be some of my favorite games for that freedom aspect alone hell yeah so um one thing i obviously i think that you guys are are correct in like the the freedom aspect of things like i i don't think that you can create a um uh i don't think that you can really create a um open world without some sort of sense of freedom or mm-hmm. um that sort of thing but um I want to ask you guys something that, because we were just talking about Pokemon, um, uh, and I think how how do I want to phrase this? Um, I think something that the Pokemon games as a whole have really excelled at, and it's something that I also feel like both Breath of the Wild and uh, The Witcher Three and uh, Elden Ring have all really excelled at uh, is diversity of environments. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say Pokemon, the reason that I bring this up is because each different area of Pokemon feels different, at, at least in the in the the great games in the series, right? Like if, if you take a look mm-hmm. back at like red, blue, gold, silver, I'm sure you guys would say diamond and pearl. Um, yeah, for like sure. all of those games have a sort of, um, diversity to them, uh, from, from mm-hmm. area to area. And, um, I, I've noticed that that's a, that's a big thing for, for me is like, I, I don't want to be in the same thing all the time. That's what I feel like yeah. was the case with Skyrim. If I'm being totally honest, I 100%. know that that's not the case, no, but like, yeah, but it's, it's true because there was nothing like at best. There was a plains environment. There was a river environment. And then there was some snow scattered in parts. And then there was a blizzard place. Like there wasn't a lot going on. And even if it was a little different, it still looked the fucking same dude. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I have on my short list to talk about was the exact word that you used, and it's diversity. Diversity of the landscapes included in these games. And Skyrim was the antithesis to this point because it just feels like a lot of the same thing, man. And the map is absolutely astoundingly big when you truly get down to it. If you wanted to trek around this map, it's going to take you a hot minute. But even in doing so, they did not put enough time and effort into diversifying the uh, environments that were crafted in the game. The Witcher does it wonderfully. Um, dude, but like we're going to keep going back to it, but Breath of the Wild is like the king of that. Yeah. There, there's always like, something different yes. to explore. Literally. How many, like the four divine beasts had four completely different elements to them right mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you could go and you could experience something completely different in all of those areas but then the hub part you know that was its own th- dude it was just breath of the i think austin made a good or not even made a good point and what he said was true breath of the wild changed forever how i think we will view open world games i don't think that mm-hmm. without 
I don't want to say this and sound stupid, but I feel like without Breath of the Wild, Elden Ring might not have been what it is. Oh, I think uh, I agree. No, with I agree. A hundred percent. I think it truly. Breath of the Wild came in and flipped the genre. It did. I think without that, we're not where we're at today. And like it's, I know I said I'm not that big of a Zelda fan, but I've played them like sporadically throughout my life. Like I remember playing Ocarina of Time with my dad. I remember somewhere along the line dabbling with Wind Waker, but I've never been a fan invested in the storyline. But Breath of the Wild, for the first time in my life, made me a fan, not because of the story, but because of the world that I was exploring. And that's why I'm excited for Tears of the Kingdom. I'm excited to go back into this game with just an unbelievable art style and a world that is just teeming with life, diversity, and adventure, man. Very excited. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, And I think that there are, like, other things to be said about, like, not just world design, I don't think, but more along the lines of, like, maybe something like... um, like, kind of like, I don't know, like, level design? Like, how it all kind of makes sense? Yeah. Like, for for instance, I know you wouldn't consider these open world, per se, but think about Dark Souls, right? Oh, the hub God, area yes. is connected to everything. <laughs> Every fucking corner comes back to the hub. Mm-hmm. You can find like you can find your uh, way from like I don't I don't even know like all the places you can go in that game. But like you can find one place that goes to the next place that goes to the next place that is somehow connected back to the hub which is connected to the area that you just started at. Yep. And like I know that that's not like, again, what we consider like a typical open world, but that sort of design philosophy, I think, one hundred percent, like informs what we think of um, as, like, I, I guess level design would be the the best word for it, like. I think that, like, knowing that that's the kind of stuff that you can do within an open world makes that um, kind of like, the I would say, like, the gold standard, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like, this is what you should be doing with your open worlds if you're not already, like, doing them. Yeah, I feel like Scarlet and Violet did that really well. As much as I might have a lot of issues with that game, they did exactly what you're saying for Dark Souls 3, but in an open world format. Yeah. Like, everything came back yeah. to the center of that, or yeah. wherever the school was at. I don't know. If, I guess it was a city, right? <laughs> it's called, like, yeah. Mezagoza or some shit. I don't even remember what it's called. That's how Something fucking like forgettable that, that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mezagoza or something like that. You're oh, right. yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Um, but it felt like everything ultimately came back to that. Um, but in a natural way. And I don't want to say that, like it branches off like a star and then, you know, like everything will eventually come back to the center, but it's like, it did it naturally. Just like, <laughs> I kind of feel like breath of the wild. does. <laughs> going to talk about that game all night. Yeah. We're going to be talking so about good. that game for the rest of the fucking year. Let's be honest. That is true. Uh, do you guys we, think tears of we kingdom got a goes pretty of far? The game talk, and then we're going to have the rest of the year of tears of the kingdom. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 
I think it uh, wins the video yeah, game. It, <laughs> I, I don't even think it's a question. There's like a very, I think very 16 tiny will definitely get nominated. I, I think it it's easily going to go to Breath. Yeah. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Starfield 16, Tears of the Kingdom. Those are probably That's, the front runners. Yeah, yeah, I don't even think that they would even put that, unfortunately. Oh, maybe Hogwarts Legacy. Like controversy, like which sucks to the developers. Itself, so who knows? Yeah. I think it'll get nominated for Hi-Fi something. Hi-Fi Rush needs to be fucking nominated. I think it should. Or, yeah, or I think I, it will. Yeah. I would put that above a Starfield. <laughs> oh, I can't say that. The game's not yeah. out. That's stupid. But it's just unique. I've played Starfield before. <laughs> Yeah. Breath of the Wild. What the fuck were we talking about? Uh, open world games. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Starfield, though, that's going to be actually one that kind of really year? does it this year. Like, not only is it an Supposedly. open world, but there's a thousand of them, apparently. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I know nothing about it. September? <laughs> they're, they're saying it's coming out. Yeah. Good. <laughs> That's not bad. Like, I'm doing the same thing with Tears of the Kingdom. I it have not looked at shit. Cool. You said fusions? I don't know what that means. Oh, you're going to know, and it's fucking cool. All right, see? Uh, I'm, going in, I'm going in with no info. You said fusions. I'm thinking of Goku and Vegeta right now. It's Gogeta, That's... and you can Are say you anything else, you're wrong. Vegito guy. Ah, oh, damn it, dude. I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z shit recently. If you say anything else, what did I say? You said he he's trying to gaslight me and going Gogeta. Vegito's mm. cool. Vegito's cool, but I don't seems know. Super I Saiyan Blue like Gogeta. I'm not gonna incredible. Lie. Incredible. Go watch the new Broly movie. It's great. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, anyway. I'm pretty sure... Sh- uh, anyway, Kakarot's open world, world but it's game. just terrible. That would be uh, Oh, cool. Budokai 3! Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a fair... Yeah. That's... Yeah, you're right. Accurate. Budokai 3 is my favorite DBZ game of all time. That's <laughs> because it's the best one. I'm excited Agreed. for 4. All right. All right, that's... Top Moving over. on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you guys want to talk? I mean... That's an underrated gem right there in terms of open world games. So, do you guys have any other like underrated gems? I mean, we've talked about the staples, but is there anything else that you're like this one definitely deserves a mention? Um if we can if we can use the sort of like very broad definition of mm-hmm. uh of open world where we consider stuff like, you know, Dark Souls. <laughs> Or or the original Pokemon games. If yeah. we can open it up that broad, I I would one hundred percent nominate Yarnum from Bloodborne. Yarnum I just I think that that world is that so really fucking be like a beautiful. linear open world. I, I see that's that's what I would really like call it. Yeah. Because I if I'm being real, like I am not going to say we talked shit about it because I think yeah, we all enjoyed it. Time great at everything else, but... did a great job at having that diversity. Oh yeah, talking about yeah. The the hub world or the yeah like hub the areas? hub style world like mm-hmm. you go from yeah so yeah not sure. like a Breath of the Wild completely open front to back but it's open for ninety percent of the game 
Yeah. For um, sure. Other than a few. We get through this yard. Yeah. Um, but those are two. Austin, like you got any? Fuck, else? man. Uh, I mean, if one of my favorite video games of all time, uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, <laughs> it, it unfortunately might not have the diversity aspect, but dude, the world of New Vegas is just so fucking good. It's so wonderful. It ab- yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's the I, best Fallout setting. I loved watching Bugs play through mm-hmm. that. You should play it. Doing his stuff. Like, it's it was, the greatest game Bethesda I can watch it. I don't think I could play it, but I can watch it. You or know not I mean? Bethesda. They didn't do that one, right? Obsidian uh, did. No. So That's true. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. Obsidian. Oh, that's not even why I was. I was like, nope. Um, I've never played. Anyway, it, so. I think there's one that I we need to mention. Um, Red Dead Redemption <laughs> Two. Oh yeah, that's fine. But the world <laughs> is a dude. Alive a is definitely one of the ones I would use yeah, to describe it, sure. but. When you talk about diverse locations, that yeah. game has them. Yep. And it's absolutely mesmerizing when that game, like if you're playing single, like it doesn't even have to be single player, man. Like I could be playing online with Sabrina and we find locations like this, but a lot of my core memories come from that single player and just how the atmosphere completely takes over. Like, you can almost feel the air get thicker when the fog starts to roll in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It truly does a great job at helping you immerse yourself in those games. Uh, between Red Dead 1 and 2, but Red Dead 2, just God fucking... God bless Ray Tracing, dude. Dude, there's there's a whole fucking ecosystem within that game. 100%. Like, oh my God, all of the fauna, like... That's another thing. When it comes to open world games, do not give me some blank canvas. Put shit in there to make it feel alive and thriving and like I'm walking through a world where things exist. Yep. Yep. That's something I was actually going to bring up um, with Final Fantasy 15. There oh. are places in Final Fantasy 15 that legitimately speaking, I feel like... Um, I feel like they are locations that are, um, I'm really trying to think of the best way to phrase this without being mean, but I I feel like a lot of what happens in Final Fantasy XV's open world is just big, beautiful vistas with nothing in them. Ouch. Like... Like, there are legitimately beautiful parts of the landscape that you can see from far away, and you're like, oh, man, that's fucking gorgeous. I wonder what's over there. And then you go there, and it's nothing. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You're playing it right now, so I just, because you're probably getting, like, a firsthand look, and, like, you're describing exactly what you're seeing. I'm like, damn. Yeah, And, and I, like, this is... 100% 100% been a complaint that I've had about this game since the first time that I played it. But, like, it is one of those things that, like, um, really is just such a bummer because of the, like, like I said, the way the world looks is <laughs> stunning. The way that the Damn. world is is not fun. <laughs> but That sucks, dude. But, I mean, 
that goes to show like you have to put stuff in there yeah to make it feel alive and i think dude yeah, when it comes sure. down to it minecraft is the biggest open world game there is oh yeah yeah and they world i think is literally endless and there's shit floating around everywhere like there's villages there's witches huts there's the strongholds there's fucking forest mansions there's just bears and bees and rabbits and cows and sheep like it's fucking a basic game at its core but it still does enough to make you feel alive and like the world is thriving around you and it's like if you're going to deliver that open world experience you have to do that um 100% i think i think a game that takes open world this is going to be one of those offshoots i feel like but terraria can we consider that open world uh yeah i i mean i the thing is is i i think people have a very limited scope of what they think of as open world and that that's kind of why i wanted to like even approach this topic in the first place because they're broaden it a little bit and see like because when you think about it terraria is a great offshoot of that but it's truly an open world yeah yeah exactly and and it's 2d minecraft 100 percent and if you go back and think of like like not i i feel like a lot of people would see us broadening this topic and be like well there's no wooden open world is but like i we're not saying literally every single game is open world but there are games that like if you really thought about how open worlds are designed and and what the philosophies for them are some of them fit the bill and I, like for instance yeah. i i've been saying that i think that the, the dark souls games kind of fit that bill i know that they they do but don't they're it's yeah. a linear open world experience <laughs> yeah exactly um what the fuck what was it, i going on about i mean uh but just kind of broadening the definition yes okay yeah so oh fuck dude and then like i hate to, <laughs> i hate to i used to shit on it so much but now yeah, i'm punk dude <laughs> Like, they do a really good job at making their world feel alive. Yeah, now. And not like it's a depressing mess. But it's it's a fucking thriving open world, man. I mean, it, it's pretty stellar. Um, Dead Island and Dying Light do a great job at it. Dying Light, I 100% agree with. I... For whatever reason, I know. Do not like those Dead Island games, <laughs> dude. I just had a panic attack a few minutes ago because, like, that shit comes out at the end of April. I don't have time for anything anymore. Damn. Truly, like, I was going through my list to see if there's anything worth forgetting. I saw that and I was like, "Son of a bitch," because I already have Minecraft Legends playing at the end of this month. So, yeah, that sucks, man. But uh, sorry, okay. Dead Island too. Yep, World of Warcraft. Best open world game. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there for Jeff. Uh, yeah, obviously I haven't played Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, well, I was gonna say that's something we should like. Yeah. How MMOs have to craft their worlds, man. I mean, that's kind of the pinnacle of open world shit, and they have to keep it diverse and alive for us to even want to explore mm-hmm. those games in the first place. Yep, and they and they have to do it from expansion to expansion. Also, like, yep, you can't just continue to use the same areas because people will get pissed oh for sure dude and then people will get pissed if they fucking do yeah. you know they do make something new but it's too new like what the fuck oh, do you mean yeah. pandas are coming to world of warcraft you know what i mean yeah fucking boy i remember the 
the whatever you want to call it discourse Outcry. around that game. Yeah, dude, and it's one of my favorite expansions. Yeah, and everyone fucking hates it. I, I dude, whatever. I loved it, and it was such such a breath of fresh air. We had true, genuine, like, Chinese architecture in the game, and it was astoundingly detailed. It was beautiful. Um, but no, fucking, God forbid, we change it up a little bit. That's like, de- people are freaking out over Lightfall and Destiny 2, because yeah. all of a sudden we're playing Cyberpunk. Shut the fuck up. This game's been going on for how long? Let them do it something new. Topic. Yeah. And it works. This was a good topic. This was a good topic. Um, I haven't played any of the recent Far Cry games. Are they just bogged down with the same shit? uh, I like the Far Cry games way more than I like the Assassin's Creed games because the diversity of locations in those feels different. Does that make sense? Like, like, I, I haven't played some of the newer games, but like, in... Uh, in the Assassin's Creed series, but I, like I haven't played um, mm-hmm. what uh, Odyssey. That's one of them, Odyssey. right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't That's, played Odyssey, yeah. Origins, or um, you didn't uh, play Origins. Nah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I've played part of Valhalla, so there's yeah. that. Um, but yeah. Oof. And there's nothing inherently wrong with them. I just, like, I don't know. My my Assassin's Creed's were a lot smaller and a lot more densely <laughs> packed with stuff. Um, I've been having dreams about the old school Assassin's Creed, man. Like, specifically 1 and 2, I've been having dreams about them. I don't know why. Damn. I do, because that's what we, I'm going to say, grew up with, kind of. Yeah. But not, right? Because we were late teens, probably. But um, you're right, though. Like, I, I miss those old <laughs> formulas. So are you going to play Mirage when it comes out? Uh, We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Did you Did you play Unity? Uh, Yes. Yes, I did. Because that's apparently what it's going back to, which I'm a fan of. Okay. I never finished Unity, but... Oh, I, I think I liked what I played. That's the one where you can play, uh, like, isn't it like all multiplayer? Yeah, well, it's not all, but it definitely, like, has its multiplayer points. Like, it has its all, yes, it is multiplayer. Okay. Yes, I don't The French Revolution, we'll, we'll yes, narrow it Yes, it is the French Revolution, okay. and there's tons of shit that you can co-op, but it was, I think it's one of the most underrated Assassin's Creed games. Hmm. Shut the fuck! You don't even. I think it's the worst assassin. <gasps> I think Unity is when the series really got terrible. Not three. I uh, three is the best Assassin's Creed. No, wow. Sir. Three is the best game in the series. All right, I'll uh, die on that hill. Well, three is a might. fantastic adventure. I'll remember to never take your opinion seriously ever again. <laughs> I think three is the best, followed by two. Oh. I think three and two are very close to each other. It is two by a mile to me. I I don't even... Yeah. Like, I don't even think that Brotherhood and uh, Revelations, which are literally, like, the sequels to that game, are as good as two. Yeah. 
Dude. No, I... I... Yeah, two and three are up there. Unity is the worst, followed by Origins. I think Origins is almost as bad. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) No, 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 no. No, that's not true. Syndicate is the worst Assassin's Creed, followed by Unity. Uh, Have you played three? Yeah, I think three is the best game in the franchise. I don't feel so good right now, guys. Like, this is not okay. I love telling people that opinion because it's always the same reaction. It's so chaotic. Uh, People always fucking hate me for that opinion, and I love it. But it's true. It's a great game. What is so wrong with three? What makes three so bad? uh, Everything about it. No, that's incorrect. (laughs) That is incorrect. The world building is incredible. The characters are incredible, with the exception of a few. Connor is one of the... Uh, Connor is one of the best assassins to oh, me. Which assassin um, has a whole trilogy? Oh my god. Yeah, that's true. Ezio <laughs> does. That doesn't mean he's not overrated. Oh, god. No. <laughs> Ezio's story is wonderful. No, it's, no, it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Connor's is better. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I open have, world design. I, even, I I can't. I can't. Assassin's Creed episode one day. I. <laughs> okay, oh, I'm down. I I'm down to explain to you for an hour and a half. Uh, is the greatest game in I the franchise. I can't do this, dude. And I have the hottest take of them all, and that's Bayek is the best assassin. Oh, uh, which bad, one is that? That is a bad. He take. is the one from Origins. Oh, okay. Yep. I. Anyway, I, just, I feel like I just went through the five stages of whatever that is. No, you know what? I'll take that back. I Origins isn't terrible. I like that they at least tried to do something different, even if they didn't do it all that well. Do, I like okay. Cassandra because there's a girl that you can play as. That is true. And then they did it with Eivor, too. Yeah. And, um, and technically, there's a the, the two assassins in... That's uh, Syndicate. True. There's the brother mm-hmm. and sister. So, and then those spinoffs. They had a girl too. Yeah. yeah. The the one in Asia, right? Yeah. I've yeah. never given Odyssey. I've played a little bit of Valhalla. I didn't care for what I played, and I don't think I've ever given Odyssey a real fair shot. Uh, one of my favorite open world games, Forza Horizon. Oh, it's a great open I mean, game. yeah. I think they did it exceptionally well. You know what else? Underrated, underrated gym, Burnout Paradise. Uh, you're not wrong. Yep. Sure. What do you mean, sure? I've never played it, so I wouldn't okay. know. At least you didn't say it's the shittiest Burnout. Because I would have <laughs> literally fucking lost it. <laughs> it's my favorite Burnout. <laughs> I've never played any of them. I'm not a I'm not a car ge- car game guy. At least you finished Horizon Five. I did. I don't know how, but well, I mean, I do know how because I genuinely enjoyed it. But. This derailed so hard, and I'm sorry. We were having a great topic, and then it's just it. This is like what happens when Loki let loose the multiverse. There's a thousand different strands happening right now. Truly, yeah, this truly. Is, this is that. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> 
I can't wait to get yelled at in Discord for my Assassin's Creed take because I'm sure it's going to happen. I'm sure someone's going to agree with you, and I'm. It's fine. I can't. Someone's going to agree with you, and Dylan is going to be so upset. <laughs> it's Dylan's just not kick a them bad out of the game. Unity is not the worst. I will accept. It's Syndicate. definitely one of the worst. Even. All right. <laughs> we need to go. All right. Anyway, to get back to the point, uh, I feel like the. Um, the Far Cry games. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they have more of a diversity yeah. to them than... Than the newer Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So, uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's... that's We're, we're going to go ahead and get, get moving we're on to the it. games we've been playing. <laughs> uh, so, with that said... Um, I've been playing Final Fantasy 15. I already, I already said that. Um, you did say that. So Final Fantasy 15 is a game that has long been a thorn in my side. I played this game at launch. I was so excited for it. I was like, oh, open world Final Fantasy. Uh, they're going to... The story looks cool. They're going to have a, you know... A whole bunch of stuff that you can do in it, and it's going to be fucking great. I'm going to love this game. And I played the first chapter, sec or the first, maybe it was the first two chapters. Um, and I absolutely fucking hated it. I just thought it was the fucking worst. Um, it was the worst since 13 at the very least, and. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was never a game that, like, I thought more than a couple of hours about, unless someone else brought it up to me. I just, I really did not fucking like it at all. Um, and I'm playing it to, um gather footage for the video um and i think that time has been kind to this game um part of it for me i think is maybe coming into it with the expectations that it is awful and and finding things to like about it um maybe that's something or maybe i just wasn't in the right headspace at the time i don't know there could be a a a billion different reasons why but like i'm really enjoying this playthrough way more than i did my first my first time through it just um i don't know it's doing something for me um the protagonists here uh i'm still it is possible that they um added stuff outside of the dlcs that they they put into the game because they added a dlc for each one of the main uh boy band members as it were and um uh it's possible that they added in other stuff like um, playing through it this time, I noticed a weird, uh, 
I don't even know what you would really call it, but it was like a cutscene fight thing to open uh, the game that I genuinely do not remember ever being there in the uh, in the original release. So I think it's new. I could be wrong, um, but anyway. Um, what I was trying to get at was that the the characters that are here are they have personalities, but there's nothing that is like um what how do I want to explain this um there's no reason to care about these characters together like in a sense of 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 camaraderie other than the fact that they are you know on a trip together on a mission together type thing and um that's a little bit annoying to me that that still isn't fixed unless like i said that they added something in like i really hate the fact that like every final fantasy i've ever played has been like a bunch of like weirdos who come together to, you know, form a, a a family more or less. And like this one, the family's already formed. Does that, does that make sense? Like it's already like together. They're already ties to one another. There are relationships that, you know, happened before the events, that sort of thing. And that bothers me in a way that like I can't really get over uh like I said maybe maybe they've changed some of that that stuff around outside of the DLC uh but so far in this playthrough I haven't seen one or I I haven't seen it um the battle system still isn't it still isn't something that like I think is incredible. Uh, I think that it really does a lot of stuff that robs the the player of agency in a lot of different ways. Um, but the chief among them is that like you really don't have to do much of anything. You can just hold circle and spam potions to make sure that your health uh, you know stays at a at a certain percentage. And you don't have to do much more than that. Um, I I really feel like that way of playing is not great <laughs> to to you know kind of put it lightly. Um, but uh, yeah, I it looks great. The open world fucking kind of sucks. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm, I I feel like I was just really negative on it, but like, I, there's something about it this time that is, um, just working for me, and I I don't really know what it is to be honest with you, but like, I'm having a a fun time with it this time. Um, I'm finding stuff that I I never found the first. Uh, time through I think the f- the first time through I got to the part where they open up the sort of like second part of the world which is like um 
if I'm not mistaken, it's the the Duskai plane. I could I could be wrong, but um, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that like I have never seen before, and that's cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, so uh, I'll just say that I think um, uh, this game's cool, sort of, kind of. A little bit. <laughs> but are you going to beat it? Uh, I think I am. Because this is on the shorter side of Final Fantasy. So I think that the um, the main story of this is only about like 25 hours. Um, oh, that's actually not bad. Yeah. That's yeah, not terrible. Okay. So. Hell yeah. Austin, did you play anything? Nope. All right. <laughs> <laughs> No, he did. No, it was I, just another 40 hours of Pokemon. Uh, that's not entirely wrong. Uh, I'm almost done with Pearl. I just got the... I think I'm on the 6th gym badge. Um, I have started a couple of things. I just haven't played enough of them to talk about. Um, I did start Shin Megami Tensei Digital Devil Summoner, or Digital Devil Survivor, uh, whichever one for the PS2. Um, not super, super far into it, but I, uh, I, I did start it. Um, I think that's it. I, uh, I'm still working on Metroid. I keep going back, playing like 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like playing it right now. I feel like playing something else. Um, once, uh, but I have three days to finish Pokemon before Mega Man just takes over my life for the next three months. So, uh, I did have a question about that. So we agreed last episode that I could count it as a 2023 release. Because uh, it is re- the compilation is releasing in 2023. Um, can I like like if I finish four, five, and six? Can I count all three of those? Are we cool with that? You can count them as individual games, but they're not going to add okay. up to your 2023 releases. No, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. But yeah, but they I are just very much games individually games with different stories. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So, um. So, I, how did this even happen? Oh, I had really fucky work week last week, and I wound up doing some uh, super late night shifts, and uh, I got to uh, talk to some people that I don't normally get to talk to, and <sighs> fucking, that means Sabrina got to talk to people that she doesn't normally get to talk to, and when that happens, she makes friends, because she's so lovely, and in doing so, she found a friend that plays Destiny, and god damn it. Now I went back to playing <laughs> Destiny. Um, I, it's funny, dude. As soon as she said that she was playing it, I didn't even download the game. I just immediately bought Lightfall, the new DLC, <laughs> the new expansion. Like I knew exactly what was going to happen, um, and it did. I sat down and I fell in love with the game all over again. Um, Hell yeah! It's, it happens every time I play it. And I was just talking to Jeff about this too. Um, he said that uh, essentially, like, whenever it pops up for the year, you know, whenever the new drop comes, he'll always pop in and, you know, see how the game's going. And that's that's kind of what I do. Um, I play for a little longer because I get really obsessed with it. Um, and that's where I'm at now. Like, I, I'm re-obsessed with it, and I get to double down because now I get to f- play with Sabrina and watch her get to experience the game and find new stuff and invest in the infinite lore that is destiny and she's actually really vibing with the game 
Um, but more so than that, we're both vibing with Lightfall right now. So this is the new expansion that came out this year. Um, Jeff has already beaten it. I am trying to beat it. But it's going very slowly because I have to re-gear and re-level and, you know, kind of relearn the game. Because every time you come back to Destiny, an X amount of problems could come up with how much you're going to have to relearn. Because they add so much new stuff, which is great. Keeps the game alive, keeps it thriving, but boy, do I feel like I have to play catch-up, man. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't invested too far into the Lightful story yet. I can say that Neptune itself, though, is incredible. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I guess I should have taken a hint from the kind of cyberpunky neon light theme that the Lightfall cover seem to be going for. Uh, but stepping into Neptune feels like I'm stepping straight into some fu like futuristic neon cyberpunk world. Um, it's like a fever dream love child between Crackdown and uh, I guess cyberpunk or even like What's that? Promethea from Borderlands. Um, it's just a lot going on. A lot of visually new things. Um, you get to go into like the Vex mainframe in some of the strikes. And if you don't know what the Vex are, they're like the, the mechanoids, the machines that want to kill everything. Um, you can kind of go into their mainframe, into their world. And it looks like you're in the fucking Tron universe now, dude. It is wild, the the art style that comes with this expansion, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't have much to say about it, because I've literally only started playing again in the past few days. Um, I can effectively say that I truly think Destiny has the best gunfight and gunplay mechanics out of any first-person shooter. I, I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know if that's wildly accepted, but it is so much fun to be in these firefights. And there's, they're orchestrated so well with like variations of different cover mechanics. Um, just like where the boss fights happen, like they're made for not only the boss to have effective cover and range, but you are too. And even though there's a thousand enemies on the ground, it's easy to maintain and maneuver you just have to be smart about it um and it feels so good when you have it right destiny is just one of those games that it fucking nails it man and i don't know if they've missed now in a long time i think people are not really vibing with what's coming from lightfall and if it has anything to do with the new race of characters that have come to me like i don't understand it yet um I forget what they're called, the Cloud Riders or something. They're like these 10-foot-tall humanoids that are cybernetically augmented and have a 10-year lifespan. <laughs> so um, I'll find out more about those. But it, it, they're kind of cool, man. And like I said, the aesthetics are really vibing. The, the gameplay, the gunplay is wonderful. And the soundtrack that I'm hearing now, dude, it butters my biscuit. But How biscuit I'm, is your buttered? Uh, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, I encourage you, man. If you've not picked up Destiny in a long time, now's a good time to try it. It's something new. It's something invigorating. Like I said, Sabrina's picked it up too, and it's been fun to watch her grow as a gamer again. Like I know I always talk about this, but this is her first time playing a first-person shooter like this. Um, 
and it's like she's alert like destiny is big on platforming mechanics and it's <laughs> it, to hear her just cuss and fucking mutter under her breath that she's not getting these platform mechanics but then ultimately like she you know she conquers the mountain and you know she makes it through the level with me mission's over by that time but it's okay you know she conquered the platform uh it's just it's a lot of fun man and uh she's kind of delving into the titan and hunter uh classes i've never i don't i think i've played one titan in my destiny one and two life um, yeah and i've same. always been a hunter or a warlock <laughs> same um there's so much more fun man but she's actually vibing with the hunter right now so it's just cool getting to see her fall in love with these characters like i have like she's now asking me who kate is and i don't know how to break this to her um that's gonna be a hard <laughs> one to go back to she's like oh i really like this zavala guy and i'm like yeah uh enjoy him while you can because i'm pretty sure he's leaving at some point in the near future considering his voice actor just died yeah um <clears throat> i don't know but it's a lot of fun man and i like that i get to experience it and enjoy it through her eyes too so again destiny 2 is cracking right now go check it out and i love that it's fucking cross play and cross progression dude oh it is That's the best thing yes oh you have to rebuy the dlc oh you do so like i have it on steam and i have it on xbox i have it on steam so i could stream it that turned out to be a joke today don't know what happened there but i also have it on xbox but it carries over it carries over not a problem like all my stats progress missions bounty percentages like all that shit carries over so i'm very grateful for that hell yeah cool um, well i'm gonna yeah. i might have to check that out because they uh, they just gave destiny away for free on playstation um or it's free to play anyway well they base must, they base game uh is it i think it goes up to beyond light on playstation right yeah i, I don't know i just know that they gave it away recently that's that's yeah. all i really know and if you're a place, to, I don't know if this, I'm, if I'm pulling shit out of my ass, but I remember, I thought they went up to Beyond Light for free on PS5, but I could be wrong. Maybe that's it. Would it. Still, it would still leave Witch Queen and uh, Lightfall, but I think PlayStation actually takes it a little further as opposed to like Game Pass. Yeah, yes, I agree. Um, I don't remember exactly what it is that they, what the difference is, but... There's something. Yeah. So. There's something. Anyway. What about you? You got one more? Yep, I got one more. I've been playing uh, what what you call... Uh, a little indie game. A little indie game called Resident Evil 4? Not 7. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. That was, that was not the, uh, the game. Wrong, that, wrong village. Wrong yeah. village. Wrong village, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I've been playing uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Um, so, I'm going to say something that is probably mighty controversial. Uh, in fact, I know that it is. Resident Evil 4, not Remake necessarily, but Resident Evil 4 is overrated. I, I'm pretty sure I've said that like I don't, I don't like that game in the past. But I don't think I've ever called it overrated. And I'm going to, you know, go out on a limb and, and call this overrated. Um, that said, I am absolutely loving 4 Remake. Um, I don't know what exactly is the difference. Uh, 
that that like made me not like the um the originals as as much but like i mean obviously there's something there right otherwise i i wouldn't be like oh it's overrated yeah um yeah, I, I don't know that I could necessarily put my, my name on what it is that I, I find so different and, and like so much. Um, but, like, there are a ton of, I feel like, quality improvements that have made the games, or made the game uh more appealing to play. Like, for instance, I feel like I can go through this entire game with just a pistol if I want to. Um, I don't feel like I remember it being that way in in the original release. And it, like, certainly isn't that way in, like... Even, even Resident Evil 2 and, and 3 remakes, like, even those had a... Uh, a... A, a, I guess a difficulty curve to them that, like, kind of necessitated you switch weapons. Like, there were certain, like, levels that you wouldn't necessarily want to go and do without, uh, like, without a shotgun. Or without, like, uh, like an automatic weapon, you know? And I feel like this game, from what I have, like, played of it so far, it is very much a, like, kind of, like, choose-your-own-adventure type type game in, in regards to, like, the gameplay. Like, it's, it's more of a sandbox than it is a, like, a progression of things, if that makes sense. Um, and I'm really, like, I'm really digging... Uh, that aspect of it. It is like 100% not what I was expecting from it. Cause I remember the original being, like I said, very kind of like linear and very kind of like, this is the path. This is, this is what you need to do type thing. Um, I'm also really in like another thing that they've added that is really nice. is like the, the, um, the knife has a has more to do than just cut boxes and it's way easier to use than it was in the original like the original it literally like that all it did was cut boxes like just straight up that's that's what it did um or or i guess technically like barrels you could say barrels or whatever but um like there really wasn't much to it but in this they have like a whole like parrying mechanic that you can do and it just feels like it feels so much different and like I don't know I don't want to say better but like it feels incredible to to play around in the in the sandbox that they've like kind of created um there are just so many different options that you can do and like it's not dictated purely by, like, necessarily even the enemies. Like, some enemies for sure are still, like, bullet sponges. And there's still the uh, the whole, like... Uh, I don't know how I would want to describe this. But, like, um, 
there's still uh, the kind of like you got to kill it twice mechanic where like you absolutely need to make sure that like you put in as much damage into um, enemies as you can while they're still like technically dead uh, to make sure that they don't come back. I, I think that was like introduced in four. It may have been introduced earlier than that, but it was something that they added in with uh, two remake and three remake where like you had to like make sure that you had shotted zombies or else um, like they came back type thing. Um, but this one brings that back. And even like, even though like you've got those guys and like, e- even with some of the more like spongy enemies, like there are so many different options and ways to approach in any given scenario that like, it really feels like they opened it up and made it, uh, I hate to say this, but they made it more like a, like a Halo game <laughs> than uh, than what you're used to out of a Resident Evil, I think. Um, there's also just the presentation thing of it where it looks stunning. Like, they have a, a, a filter um, that you can turn on in the settings for realistic hair and it actually kind of looks realistic it's really fucking cool um yeah it looks great it plays great it just it is i don't know it's it's very good they've cut out some of the fluff from the original and they've changed up uh some of the the mechanics to to make things like play better like for instance there's a um there's a boss fight near the beginning of chapter three i think it might be actually chapter four but you have to take on this gigantic fish in a lake and it used to be just basically a boss fight that would end up with a qte but in this like there's actual like you can actually just kill it like it's i don't know uh trying to find a good way to describe it but i just i'm not sure um anyway uh yeah uh it's just i'm having a really good time with it i'm very close to the end so it's about to um well not only is it about to pop off but it's about to also go into the challenge tracker um and uh i don't know good game Good, good game, good. I don't. I Hell just yeah. Fuck, I'm <coughs> very aware of the fact that I've purchased it with no timeline of when I'm going to be able to play it. It hurts. I forgot you yeah. bought it. Damn. I've bought it and I've played at least an hour of it. So. Hell yeah, you do. that. There is that. But I'm also now playing three time sinks and Persona, Pokemon, and Destiny. So what else can fucking happen? Oh God! Well, I'm gonna pretend Battle Network's not even coming out this coming week. It is in three days. Oh, this week. <laughs> yeah, it comes out Friday. Good, 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 good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Boy. Anyway. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to our picks of the week, and we'll get out of here. Um, my pick of the week is a video, oh shit, I didn't write down by who, um, 
hang on. Gotta find this. It's a video by... Oh my god, just load YouTube. What is wrong with you? Uh, okay, the channel is called uh, So Says Jay, and it's a video called Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a game for no one. And it goes through kind of, uh, if I'm being honest with you, kind of goes into um, things that I think are true of the Final Fantasy series with 15 uh, um, and, and some of the other entries. But it it's, uh, kind of goes into like how Assassin's Creed Valhalla is... Uh, not only a game for like people who have never entered the arena of uh, Assassin's Creed before, but also kind of does fans of the series dirty um, and talks all about like the level designs and the narratives and even the combat systems and stuff. Um, it is a very good video in my opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, stuff and things, things and stuff. So, anyway. Stevens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, my pick of the week this week is a comedian named Matt Reif. Uh, he just released a comedy special called Matthew Stephen Reif. Uh, on YouTube, this uh, comedy special is fully funded and produced by him and a small crew of personal friends. And it is very fucking good. Um, Matt Reif is a comedian that very recently kind of blew up on TikTok. He's been popping for a little bit, but within the last couple of months, he there was a there was a specific video of a heckler that went viral, and that really had him popping. And he just recently released his comedy special, and it's really funny. Um, he is. I, I like comedians like him because yeah, sure they have their bits, but they're they're more of crowd work comedians, so they more or less for the majority of the show uh, riff off of the crowd and just who the people that come to the show and the kind of energy that they bring to the show. And he, in a very similar vein to comedians like Trevor Wallace and uh, uh, Michael Blaustein. And uh, uh, it's really good. Really, really, especially for being solely funded and produced by him. Really fucking good special. Oh yeah. Cool. <clears throat> Um, mine is a song called Freezing by Rosetta's Stone. Um, this is quite simply just lo-fi, and it's almost like dreamy lo-fi, and I've been listening to a lot of stuff like this over the past week or so, just kind of, I'm not going to say zoning out, but uh, damn near meditating, <laughs> just kind of vibing, you know, um, and this is one of the ones that I keep going back to. I like how it just kind of puts me in... Kind of like a trance, and it's very soothing. Cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, did you um did you see the whole uh, hoopla with uh, lo-fi beats? Yeah, I saw them saying something. I didn't read the whole thing, but I saw something changed. So yeah, lo-fi. Uh, lo-fi. Is it? Hang on. I thought it was lo-fi girl. Yeah, lo-fi girl uh, has now changed to synthwave radio and has a whole new character. It's, uh, I assume synthwave boy, um, okay. but yeah, they have had uh, a couple of little videos pop up over the last couple of days. I think, um, kind of hinting that something was going to happen, and now they've um, uh, created a whole new uh, 
character who's listening to, uh, like I said, Synthwave. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm there now. That's kind of crazy. And it's a dog, too. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So. Yeah, this is my kind of music, man. Yep. Synthwave is Holy fucking shit. rad. Synthwave is the shit. I love that. All right. Well, fuck yeah. Now I'm caught up. Let's go. Let's fucking so, go. So, GG Lo-Fi Girl. Um... <laughs> What were we talking about? Uh, bye. Okay, yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> bye. As always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Pop, Hunting Picks, and the Culture Pop family of content. Culture Pop is available on Instagram at culture underscore pop, uh, where I haven't posted in a while, and I apologize. I'm very busy with actual work, but uh, I'll be I'll be reposting again soon. Promise. Um, Maybe. You can also find uh, videos that I am going to make in the future uh, and videos that I've already made, hey, at youtube.com slash C slash culture uh, Myself, I am available on Twitter at the Bebopman182, on Instagram at Bebopman182, and on Twitch at the underscore Bebopman. Uh, Dylan is available on Twitter at TV, and then on Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube all at OM Busy. Have you managed to get a hold of that child uh, who has your Twitter handle, OM Busy? Uh, no, but let me make sure he's still <laughs> popping because it's not. I'm going to have to swoop in and grab that on up. Fucking. Let's see. You need to just message him and offer God to buy it. damn it, he's still alive. God damn it. <laughs> Sad this child yeah. still exists. Uh, all right, cool. And then Austin... He's available on everything at Big Papa Plays, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, TikTok. Yes, sir. Where he makes videos on occasion. Sometimes. Go watch him. Go check him out. Sometimes. I'm going to try to make some cool stuff while I'm in New York this weekend if it doesn't come off as pretentious, but we'll see. Hopefully it does come off as pretentious. You're right. It should. (laughs) That's true. It is. true. Very true. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, uh, last but not least, if you like this sub pizzle, the pod kizzle, um, I need to change that back because. Nope. That, that's just actually what you said. Mm-hmm. It does not even say that in the document uh, at all. Nope. Uh, <laughs> say that. Okay. That's what it's supposed to say. <laughs> that's what it said the whole time uh or any of the endeavors that we're uh-huh. undertaking as culture bop then go to patreon.com slash culture bop and toss us a pledge uh i have deleted a tier and uh am reworking don't you try to gaslight me you motherfucker hey what are you talking about uh i have uh reworked some things and we're offering very cool perks so you know once we start hitting our goals even more content will be on its way so Hell yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Um, next episode is episode 100. So, um, yeah, just get prepared for that because it's going to be a fucking wild ride. We're going to bang it out. We are going to do something. <laughs> um, when in doubt. I mean, bang, bang it out is pretty close. God damn. Okay. 
All right. Well, <laughs> that's it. That's the end of our show. So until next time, goodbye.